Joining us for a conversation is Ari Sussman, the CEO of Collective Mining. Mr. Sussman, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, Maurice. I'm looking forward to talking. Well, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you today to have you introduce us to Collective Mining, Columbia's newest exploration company. Before we deep dive into company specifics, Mr. Sussman, please introduce us to Collective Mining and the exciting opportunity the company presents to shareholders. Absolutely. So Collective Mining was was really born um, as a result of COVID lockdowns. So just some background. Uh, my previous company was named Continental Gold. Um, some of your listeners may be familiar with Continental Gold. It's sold to a large Chinese mining company named Zijin Mining in March of 2020 uh, for a total sum of approximately $2 billion. Okay, My previous company, Continental Gold, we were responsible for discovering and constructing the most lot the largest and most modern gold mine in Colombia and we sold and it literally coincided one week before global lockdown started due to COVID. And so within a month, my core team, we were bored at home, like we all were, and said, let's get back to the drawing board. And that is how collective mining was born. Just some background on collective, you know, the name collective mining itself. The model, it really represents our business model. It's a collective mining model, meaning, yes, we're going to build, we're going to make a big discovery, we hope, and we're hopefully going to build a mine and or sell the company and and reward our shareholders for being involved. But it's also going to reward the local stakeholders involved in this project. We want to ensure that people living in the area of influence of the project benefit learn and grow with us as we as we advance they advance well quite the uh, acumen here and pedigree of success here let's find out more mr sussman take us to the mining friendly department of caldas in colombia and please acquaint us with the region potential mineral endowment and the mining jurisdiction okay let's start with colombia then work our way inwards if that works um, so colombia as a mining jurisdiction you know for a country in south america that has infrastructure in place there is no more prospective uh, environment to be in you know this is the andy mountain chain continuation goes right through colombia as we know it starts in chile and works its way northward and in theory all of the large scale types of discoveries will be made in colombia that 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 countries like peru uh, and chile currently enjoy with that said, I don't want your your viewers or your listeners to think that Colombia is an early stage company for early stage country for mining because it is in terms of discoveries in commodities that we care about copper, gold, silver, etc. But it's quite mature in mining with respect to coal. Okay, so Colombia is one of the world's top largest coal producers, and most of those mines have been in production for fifty years or more. So as a result, it's a mature destination you know, for companies to go and make discoveries in. And what I mean by mature destination, you know, there's a very strong mining code in place. You know, royalty rates have been stable for decades on end. There is a mining association well-established in place that represents the mining industry and will lobby government on behalf of the industry. These are things that we we expect to see in countries like the United States, where I am, or Canada, but this is also in Colombia. So from that perspective, it's stable and and, and it's great. Zooming in a little bit, we are in the department, which you mentioned, named Caldas. 
right? I don't think most people have heard of called us. Columbia refers to states as departments by comparison. But if any of your listeners are coffee experts or coffee aficionados, they they will have heard of called us because it's reputed to have the best coffee beans in the world. Okay. I, for one, am not a, a, the foremost coffee expert. I really enjoy the coffee, Maurice, I do. But I, I can't, I don't have a real comparison. But this is what it's known for. But what it is, it's what makes it so special called us as a place is, is two things. One, the coffee, right? And it's really not, it's not a, a large, you know, big industrialized business in called us. This, this entire department is made up of more mom and pop style coffee farms. So it's very specialized and high end and each each coffee farms competing with their neighbor to produce a better bean. And that leads to excellent, excellent quality. But secondly, there is a, a mine which is currently operating in, in Caldas, which happens to be next door to our main property named Marmado. And why I'm mentioning this now is it, it, it Marmado helps to create a very has helped to create a very mining and friendly environment in Caldas. The reason for that is Marmado has been producing gold and silver continuously for more than 500 years, believe it or not, and is still producing today. So virtually every person that lives in the department of Caldas has or had mining in their blood in one way, shape or form. So as a result, there's a very strong comfort level with mining in, in this state, and it's an excellent place to be. Now, Collective Mining currently has two projects with district scale potential and has identified 11 highly prospective targets in the Cow Cow Belt. Let's get acquainted with your flagship Guayabalas project. Briefly walk us through the genetic and exploration model and share with us what has your team excited. Okay, so first you mentioned the middle Calca Belt. That's the belt that we're operating in. You know, th this is a, a, a well-known uh, metal belt of Colombia, which run along the, anti the Andes mountain chain and just to understand how prospective it is. Okay, first off, let me back up. You know, Colombia was not a mining destination due to security concerns in the 1980s and 90s, as everyone knows, right? I mean, that that was the the, the horrible times for Colombia that has now resulted in many shows like Narcos, et cetera, being made as a result of what happened in those times. And so there was no exploration, but really the country turned around with the election of the former president, Alvaro Uribe in 2002. And now we've had 20 years of Colombia being open in perspective. Middle Calcabelt prospectivity. There has been somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 million meters of diamond drilling done since, the, since 2002 in this belt. And that has resulted in the discovery of more than 100 million ounces of gold. Let me caveat that by saying that obviously a lot of that gold is never going to, to come out of the ground. It's not all economic gold. But if you look at the prospectivity, for example, my former company, company Continental Gold, we discovered and drilled off 11 million ounces of high grade gold at around eight grams per ton. And that deposit was open to grow further. You know, it would be when we got taken out by Zijin, you know, just starting to pour gold from finishing construction. Anglo Gold, you know, alone has drilled off more than 40 million ounces of gold over a series of projects you know, over the course of this approximate 20 year period. And then there are many others. So prospectivity is really remarkable and being in the Calca Belt is fantastic. Zooming in, okay, so I mentioned this 
project named Marmato, which we do not own. Okay, that is in another company. Marmato is an approximate eight million ounce resource that that with with less than three million ounces of reserves that is pushing towards production as we speak. What we recognized is that well, I think your your readers or your viewers understand the the model of the best place to find a mine is next to a mine. We've yes. all heard that before in mining, right? Yeah. You've heard that for many. Well, okay. So this is exactly that example. So Marmoto is sitting there. Marmoto is a, a porphyry-related vein system. So I don't know if, you're, if your readers or, or, or listeners are, are familiar with porphyry deposits, but think Chile. Okay, so Chile is the world's largest copper producer. Um, and, and, that, and the bulk of that copper production comes from porphyry deposits. Porphyry are intrusions in the earth where individual fingers of porphyry rock come up. The pulse pushes them up. Okay. And so you get these complexes. They are typically, you know, about, let's say up to four miles by four miles in circumference within which you will have fingers of porphyries, which can be very large in the billions of tons. Okay. You have breccias related to the porphyries and you have vein systems related to the porphyries. A key feature of all of the porphyries, breccias related to porphyries and vein systems related to porphyries is the dimensions of these deposits can get very large, okay? So I mentioned billions of tons for porphyries, vein systems, my former project at Continental Gold was named Beritica, 11 million ounces, that is, it has been drilled off over about uh, two kilometers or call it almost one and a half miles vertically. That is enormous. And whatever you end up having in vertical, you end up having in lateral dimensions. So you're talking about mile long vein systems plus with huge vertical dimensions. Breccias, okay, so porphyry related breccias, also huge. I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar with Philo Mining in Argentina, which has been a huge success. I mean, so they have a porphyry deposit, but what is really driving their value is a porphyry related breccia, okay, which sits in the middle of their porphyry. And that's where those unbelievable grades we've seen of of copper, gold, uh, you know, and, and silver are coming out of this breccia. Okay, so now why is that relevant to us, our project? We recognize that Marmato is on the fringe of, of one of those four and four by four mile circumference areas that have porphyry intrusion centers. And so we have come in with complete grassroots exploration. And, and I wanna highlight that to your listeners because there are very few companies today doing grassroots exploration. Most companies are retreading old projects with new interpretations that have had lots of drilling and lots of work done. This is true grassroots exploration. And you alluded to 11 targets before uh, yes, we have generated on two projects, 11 targets. We have two projects. The flagship is called Guayabalas. That is the one that is contiguous to Marmato, the historic and current uh, you know, large resource. And then we have another one called San Antonio. Although it's a second project, it's only about a mile away as the crow flies from the edge of Guayabalas to the concession edge of San Antonio. So it's part of the same geological complex. And what we have identified in those 11 targets are either porphyry targets for drilling, porphyry-related breccia targets, or porphyry-related vein systems for drilling. I mentioned grassroots, so we've brought all of those targets, except for two of them, up to the drill-ready status as we speak. Okay, I'm going to take Guayabalas first. Okay, Guayabalas has eight targets on it that were generated. 
And I'm going to say something that I don't say lightly, but this is the best exploration project that I have ever seen or been involved with. And I said that when my technical team identified it and I iterate it much stronger today to you because I'm able to back that up with initial drilling success. So to date at Guayabalas, we have drilled or are currently drilling five of those eight targets, okay? So we've drilled the Olympus target, okay? I think we're on the cusp of a significantly, a significant discovery, okay? You know, which is a vein system overprinting breccia, porphyry related. And as a result, we've drilled big bulk intercepts, including the discovery hole of 302 meters at 1.1 grams per ton gold equivalent starting just below surface. So in theory, hopefully we'll find out it's open pitable as we do more work in the future and, and, and prove that up. Okay. We think that Olympus has the earmarks of a multi-million ounce gold and silver system, looks similar to Marmato next door, and similar to my previous project, Beritica, which, as I mentioned, we drilled off 11 million total ounces. That's one. The second one, that with assays, is called Donut. Donut is a porphyry-related breccia. I don't think this one is going to be huge, okay? It's not like, it doesn't have the potential of Olympus, but it's still significant. It starts right at surface, and we have amazing intercepts in it, including uh, up to 163 meters at 1.3 grams per ton gold equivalent beginning right at surface. Why I say modest, I don't think this one has multi-million ounce potential, but if it does turn into a mine with further work, I think it'll be a satellite operation that can feed a much larger complex for processing, you know, and it'll be nice to have because it will add incremental ounces, you know, onto the total deposit. The third one, that we, we drilled is called, was called box. I say was because that one didn't work for us. Okay, so we, we drilled it, we published results. It doesn't have large scale potential like we're looking for. And so that's out, box is out. The fourth one, we are currently drilling and 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 to say we're, we're, we're over the moon on it is an understatement. Its name is Apollo. Okay, <laughs> so honestly, Maurice, like we're really excited. Now I'm gonna put a big caveat out there for your listeners, okay? We do not have assay results for it yet. Okay, we are expecting the initial uh, first assay results for the first drill all into it, um, you know, in the next uh, two to four weeks. Okay, so that is a caveat. I want everyone to know that the uh, at the end of the day, the only truth in mining is the assay results, right? We can like what we see visually, but, you know, we need to prove it with the assay results. With that said, we were pretty good at identifying rocks and what we're seeing and what we see at at Apollo visually is a porphyry-related breccia. This one ha has abundance of chalcopyrite and pyrite in the breccia matrix. For those that don't know what chalcopyrite is, that is a mineral that contains copper in it. So there's going to be a copper component to this one. And then we expect there to be gold related to both the chalcopyrite and the pyrite, as well as silver. But what makes us really excited about it is you have a breccia that is mineralized and then overprinting the breccia is a porphyry-related vein system. How do we know this? Um, what we see is we see the pathfinder minerals of porphyry-related veins. So porphyry-related veins are known for being gold-silver rich, which they typically are, but they also have byproducts of lead-zinc and to some extent copper. And so what we see in lead-zinc, the minerals that 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 bring you lead-zinc into the matrix are sphalerite for zinc and galena for lead. These are very easy to identify. 
you know, sphalerite's typically a brown, brownish color, and, and galena is a grayish color, and you get blobs of them. And why we know it's overprinted is instead of being veins, which are typically narrow anywhere in the world, as you know, when they get into the breccia, the, the metal blows out from the veins and, and fills up the matrix of the breccia. So what a breccia might look like for, for your listeners is if you think about when you've done a puzzle, either when you were a child or, or with your children or grandchildren or whatever it may be, when you put the pieces of the puzzle together, there's a lot of porosity or space between the individual pieces of the puzzle when they're put together. And so metal fluids will come into a, to a breccia structure that looks similar to that, and it will fill up those spaces. Okay, because it's porous, the metal will spread out into those spaces. And what's happened with the veins is they've come into the breccia and there's been room for the metal to spread. So they've also spread out into the breccia matrix. And so we have two overlapping systems. Why I think this is significant with the caveat that we don't have assays is, in my experience, that big deposits in the world are very rarely found when there's only one style of mineralization dumping metal into the system. You typically need to see two or more styles. And here we have two very distinct styles. So stay tuned on Apollo. Um, quite excited for, for the results. And the first hole uh, will be out soon. And I should add that we are drilling thick visual intercepts at Apollo. This is not you know one or two meters. We're drilling intercepts of the three holes that are completed so far visually you know between 85 meters and over 200 meters so um yeah so we're hoping for long long big intercepts and with some luck with the assay uh well if the if the if, if mother nature is generous to us we'll have some decent grade uh in that breccia well speaking of visually that was a good analogy there can you conclude us uh with this by taking us north for a victory lap and talk about the victory targets what are you exploring for there Okay, Victory. So Victory is the northern complex of targets. This is copper gold country. Okay, so we have identified a series of intrusions that are outcropping at surface, particularly at the Victory East target. That is the one that excites us the most in the Victory complex. Victory has a Victory East, a Victory West, and something called Trap, which is in the middle. Trap is called Trap because it's trapped porphyry-related veins within a structurally uh, structurally controlled corridor. Victory West, I won't spend any time on it. It's a blind target that has interesting geophysics. There may be a porphyry below. But Victory East, we have identified multiple porphyry intrusion centers that are outcropping, and we see, uh, we collect and, and see a significant amount of rocks that are, that are, that are uh, very enriched with magnetite, which in this kind of porphyry setting will contain gold or should contain gold and some silver, as well as chalcopyrite, which is that copper mineral that I, that I mentioned before. And, and just for your listeners, you know, chalcopyrite is typically about 34% copper. So if you log, if you're logging a core in a drill hole, let's say, and it says there's 2% chalcopyrite, assuming your logging is correct, you can multiply by 0.34 and that should give you an approximation of what your copper content is. Okay, so we see Copper, a mineral that will contain copper and, 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 and an element that will contain gold and some, a little bit of silver and over a very large area. So Victory East will be drill ready. Hopefully we're working diligently to have it drill ready for Q4 you know, of this year. I think we have another four hard months of work. It's very big, okay? So the dimensions of the area, we're, we're in the plus mile range in every direction. And so we're trying to figure out where the end of the system is, to be frank, before we, and that before we zero in and decide where we're gonna drill. And that's what we're doing right now. Well, to summarize, it's early days, but the goal is TR, I should say, uh, before us are a number of tier one deposits here. 
Look, you know, mining, you know, mining is a very difficult business. You know, the professionals that are smarter than me estimate you have about a one in 1000 chance of making a discovery that ever becomes mine. Okay, so to make a discovery is very rare, okay, from grassroots. We are optimistic that we have two major discoveries under our belt already at Olympus and at Apollo, you know, subject to a lot more work and they're going to require a lot, a lot of, a lot of things to prove that up. But, you know, we're seeing all the right indications of two big systems and obviously victory is an enormous grassroots discovered outcropping porphyry complex that we're looking forward to seeing if that offers the kind of potential that Apollo and, uh, you know, and Olympus have already shown us, you know, from, from initial drilling. Well, leaving the Guayabalas, let's visit Collective Mining's secondary project, the San Antonio, which has over 4,300 meters of drilling completed, along with a significant discovery. Sir, please introduce us to the San Antonio, along with the genetic and exploration model. Okay, so San Antonio, again, it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's about a mile as the crow flies from the edge of its concession to Guayabalas. So it's part of this, it's a peripheral part of this same complex of porphyry intrusions. Okay, so we, we got into that, we got into San Antonio in, in late 2020, or mid 2020, I apologize, we did a lot of surface work, we did some additional geophysics, etc. And we generated three targets, okay, the northern one's called pound, the middle one's called cop, and the southern one is called dollar. Okay, and we got busy drilling it. It was an easy one to drill. It came with water permits in place. You know, it was ready to go. And so we we put a bunch of holes into the dollar target. And then as and then right at the end, we put two holes into pound. We have not drilled cop as we speak. And this was in to, late 2020 into early 2020, 21. And those that follow the mining space know that there's been a significant problem with assay delays, you know, plaguing the industry resulting from and I think that was probably the, the peak of the problem at that point. So we built 4,300 meters of core and had no assays in it. And we were frustrated and, and, and shut down the program and said, well, we can't drill more until we wait and get assays. It took months and lo and behold, we got assays. And, and I would say the results, we got a mixed bag. Okay, so the mixed bag is as follows. Dollar, we drilled the most beautiful looking porphyry core you could imagine. I urge any geologists that follow you to go onto our website and take a look at the photos of dollar core. It is remarkable. However, we're in the very upper portions of a porphyry system where the metal content is leached, indicating that it needs to be drilled deeper. And that is something we, we plan to do in 2023 to see if we find the, the portion that contains the metal. The surprise, when it really was a surprise, is known as the pound target. And at the time that we drilled pound, I can honestly say that the two holes that we put in were more of a Hail Mary attempt. We had done very little work on pound. We had found a breccia, porphyry-related breccia, with a very small footprint at the time at surface and said, let's put two holes into it and see what happens. And the discovery you alluded to is as follows. We drilled two long holes, both more slightly more than 700 meters in length, and both hit. They hit about a half a gram gold equivalent in each. Okay, so those that's not a grade that I think you're going to build a mine on, you know, in the future, it's too low. But anytime you drill a system that has two intervals with more than 700 meters of mineralization, and I should add, Maurice, that both of those holes ended in mineralization, there's a big system somewhere there. So again, we then subsequently went in and have done surface work. We have outlined a zone that's over a mile to the north-south by about a half a mile east-west and open in each direction. And that that is worth going back and drilling, you know, one or two or three more holes. So it is our secondary project. It doesn't offer the near surface exciting grades visually and with assays that we're seeing at Guayabalas. 
but it offers big scale. And so our plan is let's poke a few more holes into both of these targets. If we get lucky, we're going to be talking again about it in great deal. If we don't, I think the business plan would be to bring in a joint venture partner, which would be a major, you know, who who's excited about drilling deeper porphyry style targets, who's willing to fund long drill holes um, and, and let let someone spend that money, you know, and to earn earn a majority interest in the project, and we'll get carried along, you know, for for the ride and for the potential benefits of it. Now, before we leave the project sites, multi-layered question. What is the next unanswered question for collective mining? When can we expect a response? What determines success? And what can we expect as far as news flow? Okay, so anyone that invests in us, it, it want, wants the excitement of a drill hole. Okay, that is why you would invest in us. Um, you are going to see a steady flow of drill drilling assay results uh, beginning later this month, which would be the first hole from Apollo. Okay, and then we will have a series I'm roughly every month, okay, between now and year end coming out of Apollo. Additionally, our phase two drill program at Olympus. So as exciting as Apollo, that begins uh, beginning of July. We are going to be drilling from underground to test the high grade center of the Olympus area. Olympus is characterized by having uh, approximately 100 artisanal miners that are mining very high grade veins. Uh, we've reported assay results up to close to 500 gram gold and, and well over a kilo silver from these veins in channel samples. And we want to drill that area because, you know, we, we, we think we know we, there's a large vein system there. We don't know how large, but we're going to prove it out with drilling. But we also think that, um, you know, that it could be a bulk tonnage target. And that will, first results from that will start to flow in August or September. So, you know, if you if you invest in us today, you're going to see heavy news flow and particularly heavy beginning in August. And it will continue through the balance of the year. Oh, looking forward to the press releases. Leaving the project site, let's discuss some important topics germane to your projects. Do you own your projects 100%? Yes, so we have an option to earn 100% undivided interest in both projects by making a series of option payments over a number of years. Number of years meaning the payments will culminate at 2031. Okay. There are no private royalties underlying the property. There are no streams, et cetera. So they are very clean and clear for a hundred percent pathway to production. Columbia as a jurisdiction, as far as if you were to build a mine is, 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 is favorable um, from a tax perspective. I mean, if you're in the gold business, the royalty rate is 3.2%. That's below the Latin American average, which is in the five point something percent range as we speak, you know, and taxes are in the low 30%, which is kind of common. Uh, for for many countries, so good jurisdiction, you know, favorable potential economics, you know, based on success in constructing a mine, and and we're excited to be there. Hundred percent ownership is really the only way to go on these things. Well, I like hearing that you'll have a clean title here. <laughs> All Absolutely. Right. Are you fully permitted? So we are we are permitted for exploration. We are not yes. permitted to build a mine. That is something that you will do once you complete a feasibility study and 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 then fi follow the procedures in Colombia. Keep in mind, I have permitted in Colombia. It's an excellent jurisdiction to permit. So we permitted a gold mine, as I mentioned, um, and it, and it's and it's not a an overbearing process in terms of timeline. It's very detailed in terms of the workload. I mean, it is first class in terms of the government's ability to assess permits and evaluate them, but they give you a reasonable timeline. You know, you can permit a project in under one year to construct a mine in Colombia. You know, you compare that to the United States, where I think the average now is about 10 years. Okay. So much more favorable, but it's a lot of work. Okay. But with, as far as exploration goes, yes, we are, we are permitted to explore and, 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 and for a number of years.
Is the ultimate goal to build a mine or arbitrage? So I, I think, you know, ha having been through this, you need to plan to build the mine because what we can't control any of us is the cycle itself, right? We all know commodities are cyclical. And so there's periods in the cycle where M&A is very active and there's periods where it's slow. So you build your company as if you're going to build the mine and if, but you keep the option open to be taken out. And if you get, if someone wants to acquire and the cycle's right, you, you do that. So that is how we're going to proceed. You know, if, if, if I have a choice, you know, in the matter and I can determine my future, I don't know if I'd want to build the mine again. I, I really enjoyed the experience, but it was, you know, at peak, we had about 5,000 people working at our former project Beritica between employees and contractors at the peak of construction. It's a lot to manage. Um, so we're willing to do it again. Yes. You know, would we want to do it again? I, I think the ideally we would like to sell, you know, before we commence construction. We've discussed a good, let's address the bad. What can go wrong and what are your action plans to mitigate that wrong? Columbia. Okay. So look, so for good or bad, you know, Colombia is very similar to Peru, you know, investing in Peru. So we all know Peru is one of the world's largest producers of silver, gold, copper, etc. But not all projects work in Peru. And the reason for that is Peru has a lot of population like Colombia. So virtually anywhere that you're going to find a, a project that you want to explore and hopefully construct a mine on, you're going to be dealing with, with, with populations, whether it's villages, towns, or even larger. So this comes down, you know, Colombia, and what I mean by that, you know, why it's like Peru is we see projects in Peru that succeed and then we see others that fail. The typical failure is based on having opposition from uh, the locals that are in your area of influence of your project. So if you do that part well, you should succeed. If you don't, you're going to have problems. And that is critical. ESG, you know, this is a big buzzword that all, all, all industries are talking about today. You know, having been in Colombia for more than a decade, this was critical for us more than 10 years ago when it wasn't as popular a topic because we would not have succeeded if we didn't have a good program. So what does a good program mean in ESG? I mean, everyone throws it around like how we do it, but what does it mean? It means many things, right? So one, it's education, right? People need to understand, you know, that mining can be beneficial for their communities, you know, and not a detriment. Two, in, in Colombia, right, you're dealing in an agriculture-based economy. And so it's educating people that Colombia and mining are not competitors. They actually coexist really well and are actually good for the economy because they're, they're, they're cyclical, but different points in the cycle, right? So it's always nice to have one industry that's strong while the other one has a low point in the cycle and struggling to offset each other. So that, that's very good. And three, the other one is make sure that you strengthen local businesses, right? I've seen this all over the world. A company come and say, hey, we're going to hire, you know, thousands of people locally, you know, and that's great. And then and, and indirectly, we're going to impact thousands more. And of course, that's great. But if, if, if the businesses that aren't going to be solely focused on selling to the mine don't understand what mining is and how to strengthen their businesses to succeed in that environment, they're going to fail. So you need to spend money, you know, help in time, helping small businesses evolve and mature so that they can continue to service, you know, service the area for whatever goods and products is they, they service and plus accommodate the mining company coming in there because obviously there's big change coming where there's areas of mining, right? In terms of number of people, right? Populations grow due to the needs of a mine. 
Okay, so those are just some of the elements. So ESG is really the critical thing to focus on. If we don't do this well, if our sustainability program isn't strong, we will. It doesn't matter how many great drill holes or or or, or, or scales of deposit we find, we will get stopped. You know, one of the virtues of collective mining is that commercial success of building those relationships. Your team has a proven track record of. It may not make a, a headwinds by saying that you're permitted and you have a, the buy-in of the the community but it makes the difference of whether you can proceed or not. And that's one of the the virtues, again, that collective mining brings to the table. Switching gears, let's discuss the people responsible for increasing shareholder value. Please introduce us to your board of directors, management team, and technical teams, which bring along vast amount of intellectual capital and have a track record of creating value. Sure, let's let's start with the board of directors. So um, we have one, Colombian representative on our board, an amazing woman named Maria Constanza. Um, she brings something very strong to the table for us. She, Although she doesn't work in the mining business today, she's been very involved in mining over her career, including being the original president of the AM, which is the Colombian mining agency that is the division of the government in charge of in charge of titling for the country for from an exploration standpoint, as well as from a operating standpoint, not environmental permits, but a mining license. Okay, so so we have that deep knowledge of both the private sector and the public sector with her, and she's been on a numerous involved in numerous companies and lots of experience. We we come out of Colombia, um, and on our board of directors is an individual named Ken Thomas. Um, Ken in the mine building business is extremely well known, um, been around a long time and won many awards over his, his long and illustrious career, um, including being one of the original engineers of, of Barrick Gold, when it used to be known as American Barrick. And he was around when Gold Strike, which is the largest mine in the Americas, you know, in Nevada, was found, okay, and, and evolved and, and grew. So excellent experience. We have uh, another individual on our board named Paul Murphy. He's also the chairman of Alamos Gold, which I'm sure some of your, your listeners are familiar with. Um, but importantly, he was the um, national mining leader mining leader of Price Waterhouse Cooper for a quarter of a century. So experience in leading the audit committee team in financing projects. He's an amazing person for that. And lastly, we have a, a, a Swiss uh, national named Ashwath Mera, who is a fantastic guy. And some of your clients, some of your listeners probably remember GT Gold, which Newmont purchased for $311 million about two years ago, that he founded that company, um, brought it forward and led the sale to Newmont. So, you know, success breeds success and we're happy to have him involved. With respect to the management team, we have a big management team. Okay, so let me let me start by saying that I'm the executive chairman, okay, of the board of directors. So obviously an executive meeting, I'm involved in management. Omar Osma is the president and CEO of the company. Omar is Colombian lawyer, very smart lawyer, trained and based in Colombia. One of the things we wanted to do this time around is to make sure that the president CEO was boots on the ground on a full-time basis because the challenges that the company face are in the country that you operate in. So that's boots on the ground. Okay, that, that is one. We have an executive vice president named Anna Malena Vasquez, been involved in mining for the bulk of her career, recognized as one of the top 100 most influential women in mining by a prominent UK organization in 2020. And more importantly, she, she is a sustainability expert and government relations. So ESG is what she is synonymous with. And, and she's a very powerful uh, force representing our company. 
Um, Paul Begin is our CFO, our chief financial officer, again, involved. Um, he was the chief financial officer for almost the entire evolution of Connell Gold. So been there, done that, and obviously helped finance and build our former mine, Beritica. And then lastly, I'll mention two names, two special advisors to the company from a technical perspective, okay? David Redding. Um, David is a, an internationally recognized economic geologist. Importantly, he was the founding partner of Mark Bristow for Rangold. So you, you know, I think most people know what Rangold is. It was now part of Barrick, was taken out by Barrick at the time to create the largest gold company. And David was instrumental in making multiple multi-million ounce discoveries in West Africa, you know, as the team leader of the exploration team of Rangold. And then lastly, we have a, a, another special advisor named Richard Tostel, okay, or, or better known as Dick. Um, in, in our view, this is one of the world's top porphyry experts. So I, I, I mentioned to you that we have a porphyry complex. We want, we always make sure we bring the best technical talent to the geology end of it to ensure we, we have the best chance of success and having Dick's leadership uh, is paramount. And then th that oversees our Colombian team. So very strong group of vice presidents, you know, Carlos Rios is our vice president of exploration. I mean, this is a, a geologist who who thinks like a business person and has a resource modeling background. So not just a pure explorationist, you know, and then Rodolfo Higuera is our vice president of sustainability. And so he is the person responsible to ensuring that on the ground, where we operate, that our relationship with all the area of influence communities is sound and solid and they're transparently educated on what we're doing and, and able to speak. If they like what we're not doing, that is key to the platform. Transparency and ability to use your voice. Well, let's get into some numbers. Mr. Sussman, please provide the capital structure for collective mining. Sure, we have approximately 47 million shares outstanding and slightly more than 50 million fully diluted. There are no warrants outstanding for many financings. The difference between the outstanding and fully diluted is simply stock options to employees, which everyone will hold for long-term. Um, we are well-financed, which meaning we're fully financed for the calendar year 2022. And that's financed for a, um, a 20 to 25,000 meter diamond drill program. Okay, so we are gonna spend $13.5 million this year uh, and then we will obviously need money to advance the plans for 2023. And that's something we will look to do towards the end of the year is raise additional capital. And that will be done on the back of uh, what we hope is going to be significant success from drilling at Olympus and at Apollo. And how much debt do you have? We have no debt, so we're very clean. I mean, and, and, and there's no intent to take on any debt for a very long time. The only time I would ever consider debt is if it's part of a financing package to construct an actual mine. What percentage ownership does management have and who are the major shareholders? So management controls approximately 40% of the 47 million shares that are outstanding. So our money is where our mouth is. We intend to, to, to do well on this company by the share price rising, not, not by drawing exorbitant salaries out of the company to maintain a lifestyle. In addition to that, we have very strong support from a group named Power One Capital. Okay, who have been intimately involved with me and my predecessor company as well as today. They are long-term shareholders and they own about 25%. We don't expect their, their stock to ever come out into the market and be sold. In fact, I can confidently say that the founding, the founding partner of Power One Capital Group 
invested in, in, in Continental Gold or previously and held his stock all the way to the sale to Zijin Mining and participated in all financing rounds along the way. So, you know, if you invest with us, you, you not only have our money where our mouth is, so to speak, because we're very large shareholders of the company, but you will see management and strong supporters participate in subsequent financings that come as we, as we evolve the business uh, in advance. Well, that 40% uh, ownership is, is very positive. Uh, that's not common. <laughs> no, I'm it's used not. to hearing about 10%. <laughs> yeah, pretty- it's 40. So yeah. look, and it's, and, and look, it's a tight stock, right? So it's really good for, for retail at this point, more than institution, but you know, mining companies, we're going to have to do a series of financings over the next number of years in order to make a production decision to get from today to a production decision. And so, you know, it will loosen up in time and that that's by design because we want to make sure we have a structure that works in the market today and can withstand downturns in the in the cyclical business we're in but will also benefit us in the future right you know as we evolved and leave and you know the whole point is is to get the share price up as high as possible and hopefully sold based on the success of the company and we don't want to ever be in the position where we're in a financing spiral where the market cap grows but the share price doesn't many mining companies seem to, to fit that bill unfortunately yes they do all right sir in closing what keeps you up at night that we don't know about well, I mean, look, it, it keeps me up at night. It's, it's like I said, it's 100% making sure that we maintain the strong sustainability-based program and meaning relationship with the local communities that we currently enjoy. It's making sure that we apply our collective model properly so that it is actually collective. And so it's not the company only benefiting, everybody needs to jointly benefit together in the, in the success, as well as take the risk with the project, right? You want the upside, you have to be involved in the risk too. Last question. What did I forget to ask? I think you, you covered it very well. I mean, you know, strong, strong news flow, lots of drilling activity. You know, we're a discovery based company with already significant results under our belt. And I, and I hope everyone, uh, you know, either, either want, tries to participate by buying shares or at least watches us to see us continue to put out news and hopefully, um, we'll end up convincing the naysayers in, in, in a short period of time with what we get. And for the record, I am a proud shareholder. Mr. Sussman, for someone who wants to learn more about Collective Mining, please share the website address. Yeah, it's www.collectivemining.com. Um, and go into the project section. Best thing to do would be probably to watch the, the, the social media videos or the media videos we have, as well as look at the corporate presentation. Mr. Sussman, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Wishing you and Collective Mining the absolute best, sir. Thank you, Maurice. I really appreciate the time. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor. 